Next, the golden days of radio. This is Frank Brzee inviting you to join me for the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past, headlining some of the world's most famous personalities. On this program, we are featuring Jimmy Durante, Jerry Colonna, announcer Bill Goodwin, the Toastmaster General of the United States, George Jessel, and our host, Bob Hope. Now the golden days of radio continues its salute to one of America's great radio stations. Hi, this is Bob Hope. You know, I've been in this radio racket a long time, too. I think the first job I landed in radio was in December 1934 on Bro Seltzer's Intimate Review. It only lasted four or five months, but in those days, being on the radio was a lot better than selling apples. I thought so anyway until I heard myself. About a year later, I did a variety show for the Atlantic Refining Company, which lasted for a season and segued into the rippling rhythm review with Shep Fields for Woodbury Soap. In 1937, I came out to Hollywood to do a picture for Paramount, and the America Tobacco Company signed me with Dick Powell for a radio show in December, which lasted until March of the following year. It was my fourth sponsor in four years. At this rate, I was going to run out of sponsors before I ran out of jokes. I guess my luckiest break came later that year when I signed with Pepsi. I was with them so long, I'm still wearing the set of teeth they gave me as a going-away present. I've had my theme, thanks to the memory, since Shirley Ross and I did it in the Paramount picture, the big broadcast in 1938. And here's how it sounded when I sang it on my radio show that same year. If you listen closely, I'll prove that I was a young Crosby. All thanks for the memory, you folks who listen in, to have your Tuesday grin. Without your aid, I'd be afraid to think where we'd have been. So thank you so much. Here's another excerpt from one of my earlier appearances on the air. This was for the opening of the new CBS studios in Hollywood. How I ever got mixed up with that network, I'll never know. I've been a Sarnoff man from way back. This is a collector's item. I was 34 years old. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Cliff Hall. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I'm very happy to be on this dedicatory program. <laughs> but really, this is an unusual event, and we certainly have the weather for it. There was a time... There was a time... Just take your time tonight. Don't worry about a thing. There was, there was a time in Los Angeles when we used to have swell weather, but a lot of bridges have passed under the water since then. Oh, they're waking up. But I don't have to tell you again that this is a beautiful building. It really is. It looks like the Taj Mahal with a permanent wave. I mean... It. Oh, it's really the last word in broadcasting stations. Very swanky. Even the janitor wears formal overalls with tails and uses a platinum blonde broom. I wish you could be here. And really, everything is so modernistic. Disappearing microphones, disappearing fountains, disappearing lighting effects. <laughs> Reminds me of my last program. <laughs> I had a disappearing sponsor. But my, um, my sponsor was here for the groundbreaking, by the way. He put my option under the cornerstone. <laughs> now nobody can lift it. You know what an option is, a nervous breakdown on paper. But... <laughs> But really, but really, you should see this theater here. So modern, it seats 1,200. Oh, I'm sorry, 1,201. Phil Harris has a girl sitting on his lap. I didn't see that over there. 
And it's so clean. They have a germ-proof microphone, a hermetically sealed control room, sanitary door handles, sterilized scripts, and they tell me before each broadcast they're going to boil the ushers. <laughs> and if you look on the back of the seat there, you'll find a little vending machine. That's because every time a comedian tells a bad joke, the machine automatically flips out an aspirin. You'll find it right in the back there. It'll flip at you after that one there. But anyway, they're doing away with those old-fashioned applause signs, too. Instead, they're going to use train field. <laughs> That's a weak gag. That's for the folks who still have the crystal set. But anyway... In 1941, we started working for the military, and we did our radio shows for five solid years on military bases. After a while, we were doing shows all over the world, any place there was a Burma shave sign. Here's a clip from a show I did in England in 1943. Certainly great being here in good old jolly England. Yes, sir, here we are. You know England, that's the place that Churchill visits when he leaves America. <laughs> He's got to come back here once in a while so he won't lose his accent. <laughs> the following year, we were in the South Pacific, all because I didn't read the small print in my contract. Well, here we are in this beautiful, romantic South Pacific island. Boy, aren't these islands pretty? We've had a very fast flying trip up to now. Flew all the way down here from San Francisco. Didn't scare me a bit. I read a novel coming down. Going back, I'm going to read the second page. <laughs> When, uh, when we got about halfway down, the pilot turned around to me and said, Are you a little nervous? I said, Yeah, this is only my third time up. He said, You beat me, this is my first. <laughs> I said, It's a little rough out there. Don't you think we ought to have parachutes? He said, Don't be silly. The ones with parachutes jumped an hour ago. <laughs> and talk about weather over that Pacific. It was so rough, the automatic pilot bailed out. I've never seen it. In 1946, we were back home and our radio show was once again being done for civilians. Thank you very much. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. This is Bob broadcasting from Town Hall in Philadelphia, Hope. Now that the president has taken meat out from under the ceiling, we can all stop squealing. You won't have to go in the butcher shop kneeling, and once more a steak will give your teeth that old feeling. Yes, sir, I went to the football game here over the weekend. During the first half, the pigskin was kicked into the stands, and the crowd went crazy. It was the closest they'd been to meat in months. Of course, the Democrats knew they had to do something about the meat shortage. The Republicans were just about ready to cook their donkey for him. <laughs> yes, sir, but here we are in Philadelphia. Philadelphia, the birthplace of independence. And all the girls I meet are certainly upholding the tradition. Philadelphia is really an old town with historical traditions. I know because I walked by the Union League Club today and three members were still kneeling in the windows firing at redcoats. In 1948, Senator Stuart Symington asked us to go to Berlin to do a show for the airlift, which we did with Irving Berlin, Tex and Jinx, General Doolittle, and Vice President Alban Barkley. We flew over there and did a show, and it was heard right here on KFI. Thank you very much, fellas. How do you do? I want to tell you I had a nice trip in from America. 
You know, America, that's where if you got a couple of cigarettes, you smoke them. <laughs> I snapped the cigarette butt away today, and it was traded twice before it hit the ground. <laughs> Once after. General Clay was at the airport when I arrived. I ran out and said, here I am, General, all ready to go. He said, fine, get back on, and we'll turn the plane around. <laughs> arrived over Berlin, several Soviet planes started to buzz us, but the first Russian pilot took one look at me and said, they're okay, look at the hammerhead and sickle. <laughs> and the people over here really know me. Whenever I walk down the streets of Berlin, everybody follows me yelling and cheering. Any of you fellas know what Schwein Hunt means? I first met Jimmy Durante over 40 years ago in 1936. Jimmy and I appeared together with Ethel Merman in Red Hot and Blue, and over the years, we traded guest spots on each other's radio shows. Folks, this life is tough. We both suffer such abuses. Girls phoning day and night, I've run out of excuses. We're not bragging, we're complaining, and don't think this is treason. We know we're not good-looking. Our proboscises are the reason. Who's got all the charm? Durante and Hope. Who's got all the personality? Hope and Durante. <laughs> Who's got all the savoir faire? Durante and Hope. Who's got all the money? Crosby. <laughs> Honest, this is not just a lot of noise. We wish there was something we could do for other boys. No wonder fellas in this town walk around with a great big frown. They're jealous of the boys with the proboscis. They beg for dates with all the chicks, but we have to beat them off with sticks. No one likes the boys with the proboscis. Our secret is variety. That's what we found. My nose turns up. And my nose turns down. <laughs> we got an awful problem. Every time we get too close, we lock bumpers. <laughs> You'd think this life would make us smile, but it gets boring after a while. Don't blame us if we sit around and mope. Now analyze our assets from our profile to our chassis. I've got so much more than Gregory. I've got so much more than Lassie. <laughs> So if you've got a sweetie and you plan to elope, beware of the boys of the proboscis. Ah, Jim, my nose has never been any handicap when it comes to girls. Why, in one night I once went out with five girls. So what? In one night I went, once went out with ten girls. Mm. Well, on my dresser I've got pictures of twenty beautiful girls. On my dresser I've got pictures of forty beautiful girls. Uh-huh. Well, I've been proposed to by fifty girls. But I've been proposed to by a hundred girls. Well... Oh, no, you don't. This time you go first. <laughs> so, if you've got a sweetie and you plan to elope, beware of the boys with the proboscis. Yes, sir, beware of the boys with the proboscis. Jerry Colonna traveled with me and appeared on my radio and television show for about 25 years. The routines we did week after week always kept the audience in stitches. Stash himself, Professor Colonna. How are you? Hey, Colonna. Hello, Hope. I'm calling you from Canada. From Canada? Why are you talking so loud? 
No telephone. <laughs> you know, Kelowna, you shake my sanity. No, you shake my sanity. It's looser. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Selby, why are you this way? Well, Hope, I've had a hard time. For two years after I was born, I led a dog's life. For two years after you were born, you led a dog's life? Why was that? Old man thought I was a Cocker Spaniel. <laughs> well, how did you find out you weren't a Cocker Spaniel? I'm the Cocker Spaniel snitch. <laughs> Professor, stop clowning and get over here right away. Okay. What bridge are you going to take? Oh, I don't need a bridge. I'll drive across the bay. But, Kelowna, the bay is 100 feet deep. I know, but I've got it figured out. I've sealed up my car to keep out the water. I sealed up the floorboards. I locked the windows and puttied up the windshield. Now, here I go. Ladies and gentlemen, the American Forces Radio and Television Service proudly presents the Retirement 2, yet third. Hey, Charlie, I hear you're retiring. You bet your bippy, and it's a darn good thing the Department of Defense offers retraining through their transition program. Otherwise, I'd be up a creek. Yeah, not much call for mounted cavalry sergeants, I guess. Right. Transition is training me to run a computer. Otherwise, I'd need a crystal gazer to get the job. Well, I don't know about crystal gazers, but I got an uncle who eats cocoa leaves. You know about the 120 days free GI insurance before you have to switch over to a civilian policy, don't you? Of course, that's a great deal, especially for a bachelor like me. A bachelor? Isn't that a man who puts all his bags in one asket? Financial security, retirement pay, life insurance. Those are just a few of the benefits from the armed forces. Find out about all of them from your personnel officer. Yes, sir. In 1953, television had caught up with us, and we were doing specials every month or so. But my band of gypsies continued to travel with me all over the country for our Tuesday night Chesterfield program. The Bob Hope Show. Transcribed direct from Whittier Union High School with Les Brown and his band of renown. Our singing star, Margaret Whiting. Our special guest, George Jessel. And here he is, Bob Hope. Thank you very, very much, ladies and gentlemen. We're doing our show for the dairymen of California. Our entire audience consists of dairymen and their families. To get in here, you have to have pull. <laughs> I know there are lots of dairymen here tonight. I shook hands with one guy for five minutes. When we were through, he handed me a pound of cottage cheese. <laughs> but then... I was in the May Company the other day, and a lady said, Mr. Hope, I'm buying this silver pitcher to keep my milk in. Would you carry out to my car for me? I tried to carry it out to her car, but the store detective got there first. <laughs> he carried me out to his car. <laughs> but the store was very nice about it. They settled out of court. For six weeks during the holiday rush, I'm going to be down in the basement turning the crank that works the escalator. Well, anyway, but according to statistics, there are at least 30% more marriages now than ever before. Those are the figures. And when you see the figures that get married, you can't understand the figures. <laughs> I know there are...
there are more people getting married, my psychiatrist just had Cadillac fins put on his couch. <laughs> and I attended a typical California wedding the other day. The bride and groom had a lot in common. They both worked in the same car wash. He's a hubcap polisher and she's a chambermaid. <laughs> Whenever a Nash comes through, she makes up the bed. Rides, weddings, and rice, and Tommy Manville walking around sneering amateurs, <laughs> and John Wayne saying, You'll be sorry. <laughs> there have been some weddings in Washington, too, and they're really something. People throw rice, old shoes, Democrats. <laughs> and the girls really try to land a husband. They even have a special perfume. It's called Jetador Amour. That's French for daddy. You're supposed to point the shotgun at him, not me. <laughs> but you know, in all the magazine ads, debutantes tell how they landed their mate with this perfume or that cold cream, and it's really true. When I left the house this morning, I put a dab of shaving lotion behind each ear. And before I'd walked two blocks, a barber pole fell on me. a great show business personality. Here he is, the Toastmaster General of the United States, Mr. Georgie Jessel, right here. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for that very warm reception, and thank you for that very fine introduction. Yeah, well, it's, I... It's a great pleasure to be on the show. There's I, nothing in the world. George, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. What's the idea? Well, if your sponsor is thinking of making a change, I'm ready. <laughs> kidding. I'm in so solid, my option's been picked up for all next week. Is that so? Mm -hmm. Well, as a matter of fact, I was kidding with you, Bob. I've got all the work that I can handle and everything is perfect. Well, I'm glad to hear it, George. You know, I never see you. I never see you, Bob. And I never hear from you. I never hear from you either. Like I say, everything is perfect. <laughs> what I get for hiring guest stars from the House of Wax. <laughs> That's Max is the House of Max. House of Max. As a matter of fact... <laughs> We haven't seen each other since the Friars gave you that great dinner in New York. Yeah, that was months ago. After all, your career has encompassed every facet of the entertainment world. I don't know what you could do next. Maybe you could make yo-yos for people in their second childhood. That's all I can think. <laughs> now, Crosby's busy enough as it is. <laughs> George, do you want to hear about my trip east or not? I should say I do. I'd love to hear it, particularly if there's something humorous for me to say. Tell me, what did you do on your tour? Where'd you go? Well, I went to New York, Chicago, Cleveland. And incidentally, Georgie, I stopped in at the Palace Theater in Cleveland where you and I first met. Where we first met, Bob? Yeah, I remember I was just a kid in knee pants, and you were about the same age as you are now. <laughs> Look who's talking about age. You have to be in Pasadena to look young. <laughs> Tell me, uh, Bob. <laughs> just how old are you, Bobby? Oh, I'm in the neighborhood of 35. You've been in that neighborhood for some time, yes, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> you should know you live right next door. But don't you remember, George? <laughs> Cleveland is where we first met. You were headlining in vaudeville. Ah, now it comes back to me, the headliner. Yes, I was at the Palace Theater. That's right. My mother took me to see your show. And I'll never... <laughs> Immediate seating. Form a line to the right of the box office, please. All right. Robert, let's get in line for tickets. Okay, Ma. Next. How many, please? One adult and one child. Child? I thought he was your husband. <laughs> no, this is my little boy, and he's only seven years old. Aren't you, Robert? Yeah, I'm seven. Going on 19. 
That's what I thought. Madam, now this boy's at least 15 or 16. The half-price tickets are for small children only. He's just a baby. Watch what happens when I take his lollipop away from him. Give me that, Robert. Hey, Ma, give me back my lollipop. Give me it, give me it. You win one adult and one child. Well, we got away with it again, Robert. Yeah. Now, give me back my dolly pop. Those two seats, Robert. Now, be quiet. The show's starting. Okay, Ma. Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Palace Theater. Ma, who's this bum? Shh, be quiet, Robert. And now, ladies and gentlemen, before I start, is there anything that I can do for this large and intelligent audience? Yeah, there's one thing. What's that? Turn on the air conditioning. <laughs> Very funny. Now, madam, I'm trying to put on a show here. You and your husband will have to keep quiet. This is not my husband. All right, then tell your father to keep quiet. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I must apologize for this unseemly interruption, and I will now sing a little song entitled, I'm Dancing with Tears in My Eyes Because the Girl in My Arms Had Onions for Dinner. What did he say, Ma? He said the girl in his arms had onions for dinner. What girl, Ma? He didn't say. <laughs> now, please. Please. You folks insist upon talking. Why don't you come up on the stage and do the act with me? Well, don't think we couldn't. My son, Robert, is much funnier than you are. Now, please, madam. Robert is twice as funny as you are. Well, naturally, I only have one head to work with. <laughs> do you want to hear Robert tell a joke? Oh, Ma. Go ahead, Robert. Oh, tell a joke. Okay, Ma. An old lady said to a streetcar conductor, will I get an electric shock if I step on the track? He said, no, lady, not unless you throw your other leg up over the trolley wire. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty great, huh? Should have had it the monologue. (laughs) Wasn't that a humdinger? Yeah. Now, look, madam... I'm trying to earn my living. Now, if I give you each, you and the boy, $10, will you leave the theater and let me finish my act? Ten bucks? Oh, sure we will. Fine. Here you are. And here's yours, lady. Oh, thank you. Goodbye. Hey, so long, mister. You're really a gentleman and a good sport. You're the best comedian that's ever been in this theater. Why do you say that? Crosby only paid us five. Yes, thanks for the memories of all the performers that I had the pleasure of working with over the years. And thanks for the memory of our Tuesday night show heard right here on KFI. This station has been a beacon of light and a source of information and entertainment for Southern California. From the Jolson, Cantor, and Durante shows of the 30s and 40s to the nightly frost warnings which continue to this day. KFI, we all salute you and thank you for so many memories. Well, that wraps up this edition of the Golden Days of Radio. This is Frank Brzee in Hollywood, California, inviting you to join me next week when we continue our salute to KFI. This is the American Forces Radio and Television Service.